I'm in. Woo! Woo-hoo. Hello, Chris. Hello, Gabby. You all right? Yeah, I'm okay. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. So, I currently have my phone on charge, so... <laughs> okay. But you can hear me okay, so I think... Oh, I can hear you not... perfectly fine, so... Yeah. I think it's not going to be an issue. It's just I remembered when we did... Was it the last episode of the one before? I was like, oh, oh right, I've only got five percent of charge on my phone. I better, I better call off. The... <laughs> so it should be fine. We should not have that issue this time. So, I oh, I keep forgetting to do our introduction of this is the cinema we see. Um, I'm Gabby, and I'm with my co-host Chris. How come I've stopped forgetting to? How come I've started forgetting to do that? That was a brilliant introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so this is the cinema we see. And the film I have chosen, the one we're going to be reviewing today, is not particularly light and fluffy. Um, It's available on... I know. It's available on BFI Player. And uh, it's called The Hunt. Can you tell us a bit more about it, Chris? Okay, so directed by Thomas Winterberg, The Hunt, released in 2012, tells a fictional story of a false allegation of sexual abuse made against a Danish teacher, played by Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. There we go. Now, <laughs> I, I love Mads Mikkelsen, because um, I remember I saw him in Casino Royale, and he is just amazing in that. And then I never watched Salad in 2006, I never watched Hannibal, which was maybe like in the early 10s. I never got around to it, even though I heard, heard good things. And, oh, yeah, he was um, brilliant in Casino Royale. Sorry. Yeah, he's really, really good. He plays, I mean, I think ha- his, his villain's called Le Chiffre, I think, in Casino Royale. Yes, I think yeah. so. But just before I started this film, I saw him in a Carlsberg advert when um, he's rowing a boat on a river, and then this film begins with Mad Milkinson in a river. <laughs> ooh. Yeah, ooh, indeed. So, yeah, um, I just, I really think he knocked it out of the park, really, with um, his performance in this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, in fact, that was the first thing I was going to mention, is flawless acting. He just got it spot on. And I think any other reviewer would agree with me on that point and there's also other things I've noticed as well about how this movie was filmed I've noticed that every scene takes place in a dimly lit room with shadows cast over every actor and I think that is a really good technique because it sort of gets you in the mood it matches your emotions with the story and so you get immersed in the film and I think that's something that's really helped um, Mads Nicholson deliver his performance as well it because like it also really fits uh when and where the film takes place so it's basically the course of the film is between november to christmas eve and then a tiny spoiler we'll go into spoilers later but then it's then a one year later um yeah and so it's that autumnal sort of shadows and Lots of yeah, actually, and, yeah. you're right. I realise that because it's, it's it's always cast in the autumn, isn't it? Mm. So that you can get that gloomy atmosphere. 
Yeah, because it's like during lockdown, like the hardest days of coping with lockdown is when it's like really, really gloomy. And then when the sun's out, it's like, oh, you know, at least the sun's happy. Everything's okay. <laughs> it's all okay. Yeah, well, I look outside, see the sun, I'm thinking, I'd really like to be in a beer garden now. <laughs> Drinking or, a Copperberg or something. Or, or there are other ciders available. Yeah, there are other ciders available. There are other beer gardens available. <laughs> but yeah so the thing is with this film like across the board terrific performances um i love how it's a character piece it's really understated um i like the device of although we follow one character primarily we do have moments when we are where he where he's not in any scenes and we're kind of with like his colleague at the nursery or we're with we're following his son or we're following his best friend so i always really like films where it suddenly shifts to a different perspective um because you know the interesting thing though with this film we'll go more into plot in a bit i think but the interesting thing was i found myself in some scenes how do I put this? Watching it? Well, yes, watching it. But, for example, because Maz Milkinson's character, who is called Lucas, because you you, you are going from his point of view, and when things are taken out of context for him, you're kind of like his avatar in the scenes, and you're going, no, 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 that's not what happened, you know? And I was kind of, like, rooting for him and everything and just trying to say to the characters in my little you know screen on my phone of no you're getting it all wrong that's not what happened i know what happened i'm the one who's the spokesperson for lucas here um but yeah yeah so there's definitely a good use of dramatic irony in this film because we know what the truth is and but then we get frustrated at the characters who can't find, can't discover the truth or are allowing their emotions and feelings to cloud their judgment. Whereas it's interesting because me, you and Mark, we watched a film called Clockers a few months ago mm. and on the surface you wouldn't think that any of the, that these two films had something in common. But there is something there because when I was watching Clockers this was about a murder that occurred, but throughout the film, you're led to believe that one particular character committed the murder, but then towards the end, it was an, an entirely different character you wouldn't expect. It was like a murder mystery, but it had this element of investigation and accusation involved as well, which you don't necessarily get that much into in murder mysteries that is a terrific example because i have two examples that i'm going to bring up in a a minute of what i was thinking of during this film but i'm so glad you brought up clockers so clockers directed by spike lee came out in the early 90s now with that film because we all had like a you you me and mark all had a talk afterwards i said to you guys that i thought as you just said like We'd been given the information up front, like with um, Lucas in this film, given the information up front. And I, the information we are given in Clockers is not particularly flattering towards the person we are following around most of the film. So 
when we got towards the end of Clockers and the information was changed, I was just really taken aback because I had thought very negatively about our protagonist. Whilst in this film, I I was on his side for most of it because of the information that had been served up to me. So it's interesting how you can have your protagonist being shown as like the villain to your audience or you can have him shown as the hero to your audience. So I was thinking, is that could this have been made better if we were given less information if there was some ambiguity? Would that have made this film more intriguing? Or see what I'm thinking? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I was thinking about this a lot because the, the film, the writer and the director with this film had a take on the scenario, which happens way too often, like way more than it should, which is, you know, sexual violence between an adult and a child. And the filmmakers had a perspective of this man is innocent. And, you know, they're very aware of telling us early, early on of who this man is, what his relationship is with said child, and also what his relationship is with other characters. So, you know, giving a little bit of the plot away, this is something roughly about the first 30 minutes. We have Lucas. Now, he's a divorced man, a father of one. His son lives with his ex, and he lives alone, but he has a dog, uh, a lovely little, do- little dog. And <laughs> and he, he has a good circle of friends. You know, he goes out drinking with his pals and seems to get along with his work co- colleagues. He works at a nursery. And uh, he seems to have this little romance blossoming, blossoming between um, him and another one of his colleagues. And things are all right, all right for Lucas. Like he doesn't seem overly happy with his situation. He wants to see more of his son. Um, but you know, he is that is that just because he's Danish, maybe? Maybe just... there's his stony-faced exterior. Well, yeah, he has. He does look very stoic, and I think that's another thing, like good casting-wise, in terms of why later on in the film people find because of his stoic stoicism, he is quite hard yeah, right. to read. Um, but yeah, so he seems, you know, not happy-go-lucky, but quite content with his life. He seems to like his work and everything. Um, but the thing is, is that he, his best friend, um, who is married, you know, seemingly happily married, Theo. And he's got two children, a teenage boy and a daughter, Clara, who goes to the nursery. I There were red flags for me earlier on in the film because the youngest, so this is Clara, does not seem to be particularly... Well, I don't know. She, she seems to get lost in her parents' lives. Yeah, the parents seem to be, I wouldn't say overly negligent, but there is the suggestion of negligence on the part of the child's parents because they're not keeping an eye on her. Yeah. She's wandering around. And it's not, you know, overt, but there's a moment when uh, Lucas is walking to work and Clara is just, you know, dressed for school, just waiting outside the house. And he says to her, you know, are you going to school? Is your dad taking you? Is your mum taking you? And she goes, oh, yeah, you know, mum or dad are going to take me, but, you know, I'm just waiting for them. And we can have, we can hear that there's some sort of a row going on inside the house. And Lucas sort of takes it on himself to take Clara to school. He does knock on the door and let her parents know, but he takes Clara to school. I mean, they're going there anyway because he works there and it's her nursery. But I kind of thought, like, because I read the synopsis of the plot and I thought, well, people are going to start saying 
how it's odd that they're together outside school. But we know, as the audience, why he made that decision to take her to school. Yes, um, there certainly is a different culture between, I think, between our country and Denmark where this was filmed. So I would say in this country, even by 2012, even the year 2000, even the year 1990, an, an adult, an adult male wouldn't want to be, wouldn't, you know, take a girl to school without her parents knowing. That's a bit far out. So maybe that was a slight, a slight flaw. Maybe there's some cultural differences which aren't really resonating. Well, I in that respect. yeah, I can see what you're saying, but I also had another thought, which was like a lot of people this day and age, but no matter what age you are, if you have children, if you don't have children, we all know about those stories of people abusing their role in I don't know, a school or I don't know, like a, a church, something like that, where these terrible, terrible things happen. But I did realize that it's important that the character of Lucas has a child himself. So, and he works with children and it's, but more importantly, he, he is a parent himself. So there are things that must, must come natural to him as being like a protector, if you know what I mean. Like, I know I entirely understand why you're saying he's a parent. Yeah. So he would act around, or he's prepared, or he is comfortable acting around other people's children like he would act around his own children. So that would be playing with them, you know, picking them up. And that's unfortunately made him vulnerable to allegations. Well, what, another thing that was interesting was the use of. I think that, I think it's a great script because one thing the, a word keeps coming up a lot, which is foolish. You know, and I feel like we all do foolish things without thinking, and it can have really bad consequences. And the thing is, is that if we go a bit more into the plot, Clara develops a crush on Lucas. Now, I personally think Lucas, um, what's the word, behaved appropriately when he realized this crush because he tried to nip it in the bud early. So one of the lines he says to Clara, because she gives him a kiss on the lips, one of the things he says to her is that it is not okay for children to kiss adults unless it's their mom or dad, you see? So he's kind of, he's trying to not, you know, over blow the thing and make her upset or anything like that but he's trying to nip it in the bud fast and unfortunately if you want i don't think the film is about the technical details of what happened necessarily because you want to get into the technical details then he should have disclosed that to the principal of the school as soon as possible in order to cover himself against any allegations which is the procedure but I don't think the film is in, is really about technical details. It's not an in-depth an- analysis of evidence and investigation. I think it's more about people's emotions and about how people's judgment can be clouded by allegations, by their um, preconceptions about the way they think about the world. So in this case, 
people heard the allegation and because of how serious it was and just because of the nature of it um, people were naturally disgusted and then they weren't thinking straight and another thing that is mentioned throughout was the idea of children never lie in fact that said several times and basically this film obviously undermined that idea and it shows that people can be naive and that people well, what would I want to say yeah. that well you know I'm saying people can be naive yes. and um, people should should be more professional and that people should reserve judgment yeah because I think like even though I'm analyzing these details it is because as the film goes on I'm trying to I'm trying to think you know, is it going to be okay? Are people going to realize that things aren't what they seemed? Because everyone just thinks, oh, God, um, I need to be proactive here. Um, for example, his colleague, because um, Clara says to, to her, well, she doesn't really accuse Lucas, but she starts saying these things that she heard from, like, her older brother and, like, you know, other people, you know, because kids hear everything. They got, I, I, I've got younger siblings and they hear everything you know I call them little radios because they hear everything and then they repeat it back to you and like sponges yeah, they absorb everything, everything. and the other thing is um the thing is about children misconception about children is that they are these perfect little innocent things that fall from the sky and that's not the case the thing is from the day they are born they know nothing about the world the day they are born, naturally. But with every passing day, they are picking up bad habits and they are picking up good habits. And it is the job, mostly of the parents, to try and, you know, recognize bad habits and good habits and to try and find, you know, try and, you know, encourage the good and discourage the bad. And the thing is, is that I feel like the themes of this film are how do people, that includes children, express express emotions of confusion frustration fear anger because there's a terrific moment when clara you know after she started telling uh her parents and her teacher you know this kind of thing of about lucas and all that she visits lucas's house because she she's friendly with his dog and that wants to take his dog for a walk. And there's a moment where they're keeping their distance from each other, you know, socially distancing, very lockdown heavy. Um, and they're just talking. And she says, I'm scared because, you know, people are telling her that, you know, she's been through a traumatic thing, even though she's saying, oh, no, I don't think I have. I think I just said something foolish. And I was waiting for Lucas to say, I'm also scared, which he never did. Um, but I think that's what he was thinking you know they were both scared because um the people around them were it but basically it was all multiplying with every person like an like a virus you know um with every person finding out it was spreading like wildfire and you know you had a lot of people acting out incredibly aggressively and they had other people who were trying to be quieter about it but also having the same detrimental effect of purely talking and trying to appear like you know more than you do and trying to please everybody with how you're responding to it and it was just like oh my god this is like you know plague or something yeah, that, yeah that's a very good point it 
has um because i remember at school i re read a book called frankenstein or frankenstein's monster um we didn't study it very much but there was this idea of a community turning on a particular individual just because they were different from them or um, they'd been accused of something actually and it did have that frankenstein feel about mm. it you know what i mean um but i said it's the film isn't about technical detail but i'm going to go back on that and wheel back a little bit i think this film does put a spotlight on how quickly procedures processes professionalism just gets blown away just disappears and we end up with uh, well, adults running around like headless chickens not knowing what to do and they're acting emotionally or doing what they think they should be doing which isn't a good idea or what happens as well is that they're not necessarily interested in protecting the child but in protecting themselves from any Definitely, damage so yeah. they're so they're reluctant to make make disclosures or reluctant to be transparent because they don't want to say the livelihoods of running a nursery being threatened so we get this confusing mix of principle self-interest pseudo legal nonsense all mixed together into one massive mess where things like you said just confusion just spreads like wildfire yeah I think that the point of this film was to put a spotlight on that um, that particular phenomena of human nature, almost like a witch hunt. I wouldn't say this was a witch hunt, but it got very close to being a witch yeah, hunt. Yeah, because that's the thing with the title, The Hunt. I'm sharing the title of another film that came out in 2020, also called The Hunt. Uh, but this one, you know, naturally a Danish film from 2012, if there is any confusion, listeners. Uh, but the thing... Sorry to interrupt. When I was looking on the internet just for this type in The Hunt, and then The Hunt 2020 came up, and I read a bit of the review for that <laughs> just because I was curious, and I was thinking, yes, <laughs> this is definitely not the film I want. Yeah, that... Wildly different. I mean, so with this film being called The Hunt... You know, you have that very obvious, very obvious sort of uh, deer hunter sort of um, parallel, if you will. Where yeah, so it's so obvious that I, that I didn't really bother to state it, but you have. It was to. a bit. It was a bit on the nose. You know, maybe there's a culture thing where the Danes yeah. do like to hunt. You know, but I felt like oh, it's a little bit on the nose because it's talking about, uh, you know, what I said about expression of anger. Like you can express anger in sports and. You can do it with hunting or if, if you so please, but that's a whole different other conversation. So I thought that's ah, a little bit too far. And I also we will get into the ending um, a bit later in the, the podcast because I want to talk about that because I wasn't entirely happy about that. But anyway, so a film that kept coming into my mind was To Kill a Mockingbird. So not, you know, with that film, it's not all about a particular uh, accusation um, however in that film you do have uh, Atticus Finch played by Gregory Peck who is a lawyer uh, and he's trying to uh, plead the case on the right. yeah he's trying yeah. to plead the case for a, a black man who has been accused of having rom putting romantic advances onto a white woman um, in fact it, it seems even kind of violent because she was seemed beaten up but 
the thing with that film and book, um, spoilers for that, is that the man, um, Tom, I believe his name is, he did not do any of that. It was the father of the white girl. So, but I was reminded of our character in To Kill a Mockingbird, who says to her father, so why do you want to support him? Everyone thinks he did it. You know, what What really makes you want to, um, you know, plead his case? And he says, because I believe him. I believe he's a good man. I believe him. And that's the thing in with this film. The only thing Lucas can really do is say, can you believe me? You know, look into my eyes and try and believe me. I mean, there's some terrific scenes where, particularly with one of his colleagues, where it's, it's in wide shot, where we don't just see the emotional distance between them. We see the physical distance because she won't go anywhere near him. She's all the way on one side of the frame and he's all the way on the other. So they can't have that eye contact. And he's saying, why don't you believe me? Can't you believe me? And she won't have it. But later on in the film, Lucas goes all the way over to his friend, the, the father of Clara, and pulls him right up to his face and says, look into my eyes. Can't you see that I am telling the truth? Or there's nothing there that's, you know... And it's all about that. It's about getting people to really face up to things, literally, and to just try and, you know, can you believe? What is your heart saying, if you will, rather than what is everyone else saying? What... Do you think you should? Yeah, that's a big point because there isn't just a display of anger and disgust in the characters. Towards the end of the film, you start to see a form of cowardice when many of the characters know that the allegations against him weren't true because other because there's other circumstantial evidence as well that suggests he didn't do it. Um, what I'm talking about is like the fact he didn't have a basement in his house, which was part of the allegations that were made against him by the basement where he committed crimes. But then after that emerged, then we started seeing these characters who were disgusting and angry start becoming this sort of cowardly. There was like this moral cowardice where they didn't want to face the accused teacher and the accused, accused teacher was making a point of going around his community and facing up to these people and saying, well, this, this was all rubbish. Why won't you admit you're wrong? Yeah, it's... and uh, the other thing that just occur- occurred to me, because uh, I was reading a bit around this film before we did, you know, we're doing the podcast, and it was saying how a criticism of the film is the Lucas character appearing quite uh, almost too pure and if you look at reviews of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird a lot of people say the character of Atticus Finch is too pure however however sometimes if you can acknowledge that but then put that to the side I think with this film that had me so drawn in and you know rooting for his character is because it's the strength that he shows and sometimes we want to see films where our characters you know even when they're getting beaten down beaten down beaten down they show such strength so um you know when he goes into the supermarket and he just wants to do his shopping and buy some food and they just won't serve him he really fights back when it gets physical he gets physical um but at the end of the day he still kind of has some sort of um sort of 
for example, he pays for it. He could have just walked out of there when he won the fight with the butcher, uh, when he gave him a headbutt. Uh, he could have just walked out of there with his food and not paid for it. But he goes to the cashier and he very calmly, you know, lets her scan it all through and then he pays for it and then he walks out of there. So he kind of keeps his dignity. That's the word I was looking for when he does that. And another thing I want to quickly say um, is that I think another reason why our character keeps his inner strength is because his son wants to support him and his he's got a small group of friends who still want to support him. So I think that that makes sense. And it's sort of, uh, what's the word, earned when he keeps his spirit up just enough because he has got this support. Yeah, about that scene in the shop where he was assaulted and then goes back, you know, gives, gives a few punches back of his own and then pays for his goods and then walks out. I think a part of that wasn't just dignity it's also that character showing to his community that he is a principled person he's not a criminal he pays for his good he doesn't just take things and walk out even when he's been assaulted he makes a point of paying for what he wants to buy from the shop and the idea there is he is trying to create a contrast he's saying yeah i'm a principled person people because you things about me without any evidence and you're the, and he was assaulting he was thrown out of the shop he's saying you're the people who are not acting properly i'm the person who's acting properly so there's an element of self-righteousness but it was a, a good sense of self-righteousness yeah and the whole time with the film is that you can see where they're coming from especially the parents of the girl who we think has been harmed can see where they're coming from. It's, I, I mean, I'm not a parent myself, but I can just imagine the upset it will bring on everybody to think that your child has been harmed, especially by someone you thought you could trust and allow into your home and all that kind of thing. But, and then with a community, I can understand people thinking, you know, you know, sort of a, a bad apple in the crate or whatever that, you know, you should uh, shun it because it's like, well, everyone else is. Everyone else thinks he's the big bad wolf. I should also be like that. I can understand having those emotions, but it's trying to not be that guy, if you will, because you don't know the whole story. You have no evidence. It's just that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I personally... If we if we get really close to spoiler territory now, um, well, I'll do the drum roll. I personally think this film was doing so so well until the last ten minutes when we had the one year later thing, because you know it it kind of says that everything is all right in the end. Um, eventually Clara gets the truth out and says that he didn't come anywhere near her, and everyone can accept that there was this. You know, a child said something that was not correct. She was upset and it had a spiraling effect and we can all just move on and nothing's wrong. And I kind of, I didn't like that personally. Um, I thought it was too easy. You didn't think it was too easy or you didn't think it was I didn't think it was authentic and I thought it was too easy to stick, not a Hollywood ending on the end, but something that wasn't necessary. Personally, I think they had the perfect ending 
right before the one year later. Because have you seen the film The Thing, Chrissy? Well, there's a. I I feel as though I should have seen The Thing, and I'm going to watch. Well, not to give too much away, but the ending of The Thing is very ambiguous and it's a it's these two characters not giving much away because i don't want to spoil the thing but these two characters just spoil it you i'm trying not to I'm spoil trying, it. Right. So there's spoil these it. two characters who are just sat together and one says to the other i think we should just wait here a little while and see what happens those are the final words of the thing now with this film where i personally think they should have ended it one character says to the other I'd like to stay here a little while, if that's okay with you. And I really wish they'd ended it that way. Yes, actually, this seems to happen with so many films where near towards the end, there's a really good opportunity to end it. But, you know, we've got to have an hour and a half film, so we'll just just pull another 10 minutes onto it. Um, I'm sure that anybody watching this will know of any film they like or any film that they've watched and they'll agree that it missed an opportunity to end. And there was something that my dad always said to me, and the art teacher said to said it to me as well, that a good artist knows when to stop. Yeah, a good artist knows when to stop, yeah. Because there's an example of an artist who would do this fabulous painting, but he would say, well, that part isn't perfect. I'll just add a little bit to that. That part is but I'll add a little bit to that. It says... You, I don't like any of this. I want to start again. Then you would like just paint all over it. And the point is, is that you can't be a good artist unless you can say. I yeah, finished. I think that what the scene I just mentioned was a scene that was still authentic because we we acknowledged how the two characters had come together in that scene, and I also think that it was important at the end of that scene that things had not been resolved in terms of their relationship with each other, with the situation as a whole. And it would have... And it, it was actually quite a hopeful ending. It wasn't as grandiose as the the actual ending we got, um, but it was hopeful. There was a glimmer that things could be okay, but we didn't see it play out and turn out to be okay, which can sometimes just be a little like, I didn't need that, you know? I can... <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I entirely agree with what you're saying about the last 10 minutes not being a good ending. And I think part of the problem seems to be is that there's a culture clash. And I think in Danish culture, there seems to be this... um, People acknowledge that it's very important to have a community and to enforce community. Whereas in this country, a famous... I'm not going to get political, but a famous politician once said that there's no such, such thing as society. And rather than people living in really strong, tightly knit communities, we're really more of a collection of individuals. And what would, I think, happen in our culture is that the accused and the accusers and the community would know to keep a distance. In essence, there would be too much bad feeling and too much awkwardness. It would be very difficult to come together again. Maybe that that might not necessarily be a good thing, but that's what would probably happen in our culture. That's probably what a British audience would expect to see, because throughout the film, I was never seeing any kind of distance 
between any of the characters. And definitely in our culture, under those circumstances, the characters would want to distance the accusers, the distance for his own benefit, and the accusers would want to distance as well because they wouldn't necessarily want to meet the accused and it become a messier situation than it already was. I I just, I feel like, you know, if it were a real world situation and what I'm about to say can be utter bollocks because, like, what do I know? But I think that some of the massive problems were how the the adults kind of acted towards the child at the very beginning because a film I watched not too long ago was a documentary called Capturing the Freedmans from 2003, I think it was. And it was about this thing that happened in the 80s with this family in America uh, where a father and his son were accused of child abuse um, of this class of kids who would come after school for IT lessons. Yeah, this is a famous case and it involved accusations of satanic rituals as well. Was so it? this is I think so. Uh, uh, but No, that's no that's Paradise Lost, isn't got... it? That's Paradise what? Lost. Paradise Lost is completely I different. I thought that was the satanic I'm sorry. It was the kids with the Metallica shirts, wasn't it? That was Paradise Lost. Oh, yeah. all right, okay, so um, Chris, let me different. let me just say this. So anyway, the thing with capturing the Freedmans is because it was a documentary, there's a lot of talking heads, and the family also loved um, like filming everything, documenting their lives. They had like those little like Super Eight cameras, and they were always, you know, the, one of the, some of the kids were quite bombastic in terms of they wanted to grow up to be TV presenters or entertainers and things. So they would interview their parents, all that kind of thing, and. What was interesting is about that was you, I felt the film, the documentary Capturing the Freemans did a very good job of never actually pushing you one way or the other with, oh, these people are innocent or these people are not innocent. But one thing that made me interested was there's a bit in this film, The Hunt, when, when his colleague, Lucas's colleague, first hears of uh, Clara's supposed story of him you know doing his whatever um she immediately has <laughs> the parents all the parents of all the children at the nursery on one evening to have sort of like a, a meeting where she says this there has been a uh, a moment of suspicion with a, a one of our teachers and one one child but we think because we, we think, oh, I'm trying to get the right words out. We think it's not like a standalone incident. We think it might have happened with. Uh, that part was, um, I mean, I suppose that part was just to showcase exactly what a principal shouldn't yeah, do under those what... circumstances. Because she apologized and said, I couldn't yeah. prevent it. So already she's making the assumption that exactly. And really, the principal allowed her emotions to cloud her judgment. I've said yeah. that phrase. Ex- too no, many but times. I'm. Yeah. And. She came to a conclusion about what happened. They, the, the, like I said before, this, this point of this film was to showcase exactly what yeah, but what I'm trying to and say, and how these um, yeah. um, are 
created this well not which one but how these this kind of hysteria yes. but what i'm trying to say chris if you just let me finish is that she says to them it might not be a standalone incident and other children or all of the children might have also suffered the same sort of fate if you will now if i quickly go back to this documentary uh capturing the freedmans they had people on who basically had that role of that man who comes in to try and get information out of clara he keeps asking her questions like oh have you actually seen his private parts and things like that and he keeps trying to say things like did you do this did you do that and when this happened did you do this did you respond with this and in capturing the freedmans they had on two people who did that role one guy had the exact same approach as the character in the hunt which was trying to almost push the child into either saying yes or no to things and then there was another guy who said that is absolutely not how you should talk to children. You're meant to, with children, you're meant to say, and then what happened? And then what happened? And then what happened? Because the things with children is, it happens when you're an adult as well. But when you're a child, you just want to please the adults. You want to say what they think you want to say. And I actually think that that's one of the big things in this film that is, you know, you can't just get, the answer you think you should get you know so yeah i think um, like like i said the film showcases exactly what shouldn't happen under these circumstances so we had a specialist who was called in who improperly questioned the child one of the crucial moments in that scene was when the girl said i want to go out to play and then he said i just need to and ask you a few yeah. more questions and they can go so the idea is the child is being put under pressure to then say yes and, and give the answer that the questioner wants um, after previously giving him answers which he clearly didn't and, want yeah because his so, job isn't it and i'm not trying to like be political here kind of it, it's it's when you say it's his job yes and no it seems to be that he that he's an interesting character because we we only see him passing at a distance. But the point is that he seems to be motivated by something else, and it's not about being motivated by the truth or motivated to find the truth. Something else seems to be a motive behind yeah. what he's doing. We don't. We never really find out, but. It could be personal glory for himself. He was the man who found out there was this abuse going on and he could share in some kind of community credit or glory. We don't Yeah, know, and but... I'm not trying to be political and maybe it's because there are like riots and like police brutality in this decade and the previous decade and whatever in our real life. But I just think it's really important to recognise that sometimes people who are trained to have power or authority or understanding of certain situations and things that those people who are trained to do those things get it wrong sometimes um because like you know, that guy is such a oh, that guy is such a small yeah. character right he's has like two scenes um and i think that you know 
not to put blame on like a fictional character or go over the top or anything, but I just I was watching that scene, having seen the this documentary, and I was like, oh my God, he's like doing it totally the wrong way of how you're actually meant to talk to pe- people who are potential victims of that kind of like assault. So here's the thing: I would even go as far to say that this film drew inspiration from this, not from that documentary in particular, or but a similar documentary or similar circumstances that you explained to me. They will be individual who directed this film, of course, Thomas Vinterberg. I think it's cer- certain that he will have studied historical cases of false allegations and he compiled them together and took different elements and put together into this fictional story. And I think he, I think he did that very well. But other people might say he went over the top because literally everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it's sort of com- comical. It almost becomes slapstick. How many things uh, did you Yeah, wrong? that's true. But yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe viewers might find that believable. But I, I think it was a bit too over the top. And actually, in terms of the overall directing you mentioned about what happened at the end well since we're spoiling spoiling it i think the end was yeah, over the top. well it's like every five minutes you're supposed to be shocked or on at some high emotional state now don't get me wrong films where you're not really going to a high emotional state are just stale boring and not very good but there's a flip side where when you have films that constantly trigger you that trigger you every five tiring as well it just the thing and that's one of my criticisms of this film it's not easy to watch i it's very well directed the acting is really it's an intriguing subject but it's hard to watch because you're watching it and then and then you're thinking oh god you know why why is he why they said that or there's awkward social interaction where you basically have an accused then like punching the parents <laughs> the child. but like yeah i mean when like i watch a lot of films with my mum you know like um pre quarantine and all that but like know. she she'd say to me sometimes like um she'd have like her own like genres or way she'd like categorize things and she's like she'd say one of the one of the things she would say is let's not watch any films where everything that can go wrong does go wrong because i just can't i just don't want that today and you do get a lot of those. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, um, I know how your mother feels, and your mother will know yeah, how I feel. You know, if you have films where it's like, oh, one or two things goes wrong, like one thing goes wrong, which takes it into Act Two, and then something halfway through Act Two goes wrong. Fair, fair enough. You know, that's usual trajectory of films. But when it's like everything goes wrong, it is, it is quite draining. That I think that's a word you used. Um, but the problem is with the film in terms of the ending is in that last 10 minutes, everything that could go right does go right. For example, his son wins, was presented with a rifle from his father and and everyone applauds and everything. And also there's this moment of, we go through every single character who either punched him in the face or punched his son in the face or killed his dog or something like that. And and we go go through every single character who did those things, but, but... 
You shake hands saying, hey, I, hey, did you kill my dog? It, yeah, I killed right. your dog. Because in no the last 10 feelings. minutes, we see all of them, and they're either shaking his hand, giving him a hug, saying, oh, you're right, Luke. Um, and you're like, what? I mean, I know apparently a year has gone by, but not for me sat here in front of my TV. A year has not gone by for me. And it's just, it's whiplash. Exactly. And it feels and what it's doing is it's trying to lull you into a false sense of security so it lulls you into a calm sort of happy place and then what happened what what, what happened and then there's the a stupid thing tries... that happens <laughs> in the last 30 seconds which is just where for example he's out he's out <laughs> teaching his son how to kill his first deer i love how we've gone from really really positive on this film to just like oh but he's out like taking his son out to shoot his first deer when there's a gunshot lucas kind of ducks and dies we think he's got like clipped in the head or something and he kind of like gets himself together but he looks up and there's a man we can't see him because uh the sunlight is obscuring his face there's like a big shadow over his face um but there's a man he's cocking his rifle and he looks like he's gonna shoot lucas right in the face but then he disappears and he, he he might not have ever been there there might not have been any threat no no gabby not everything is a dream not everything is a dream don't you think that was meant to be oh lucas is still upset and still concerned for his safety well no no, no he wasn't hallucinating i think in the film the events that occurred were meant to be real in the context of the film so someone did try to shoot lucas because he didn't like him that, he wasn't. He wasn't dreaming, Gabby. I thought he was dreaming because there. How because was he dreaming? There was a person in front of him, and then there wasn't. No, the person walked away. That's why he wasn't there. Oh. But I didn't hear footsteps, Sorry. Chris. I'm just. To be fair, to be fair, you might be right, but I, I don't think it was meant to be a dream. The thing is, it was, it was so ridiculous, ridiculous like. I'm sorry, but yeah. So I'm going to recommend so, this film highly, but say switch it off when, uh, you know, they're having that conversation and Theo says to Lucas, I think I might just stay a little longer if that's okay. Just switch it off. Switch it off. You don't need, a, don't need to watch anymore. That's all you need. I think that's good advice. And I think this film explored themes of justice, of wrongful allegation, of emotion, over reason and in that spirit rather than giving a rating of this film myself rather than trying to get the viewers to well i should say our listeners to think in a certain way in the spirit of honesty and objectivity i'm not going to give this film a rating and i'm going to say listen to what we've said and come to your own conclusion yeah or if you've already seen the film uh because i like to put a or alternatively i will give a rating i think it's 7.6 out out. (laughs) I'd say like 8.8 you know I think it's pretty darn good I wouldn't watch it again because of the 8.8 8.8 no and you wouldn't watch it again to be fair like 8.8 is damning by faint praise I think I I love cinema because of the new discoveries but also re-watching something that knocked my socks off you know and you know I'm not being nasty to this film when i say i wouldn't watch it again i'm just saying like the subject matter is kind of yick and i don't particularly want to watch films about that kind of like child abuse and all so yeah the thing is it's 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 not that an amusing topic it's 
pretty grim as a topic. You know, you wouldn't necessarily want to spend like a nice weekend watching a film about a false allegation of child abuse. You, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm not. I'm saying. And I think there's a reason why this film hasn't become widely known. It's because people watched it, appreciated it, but thought, I think this again. Don't yeah, it it's a hard people. film to <laughs> recommend to people because it's such... watch Romeo and Juliet. With Romeo and Juliet at the moment. Keep texting Mark. No, I'm you not. Keep texting Mark and I've never saying seen it. you need to watch Romeo and Juliet and the sequel Sherlock Gnomes. I think I, you know, what? I think it's great when people come up with a title and then make a film well, afterwards. I really do, and especially like it when they have the. Um, a really good CGI team where the main character has exactly the same grin. DreamWorks. Exactly the same grin. Uh, okay, Chris. Um, glad that's how you feel about DreamWorks. But also, DreamWorks, DreamWorks I, I is obsessed like DreamWorks. with casting like Will Smith and all the people who are hot in 2003 in their films rather than actual good voice talent. Not that I'm bashing Shark Tale or whatever it is. Uh, where they did not the car Sounds like you are. or whatever it was. So, no. Oh, yeah. You know, yes, Nomeo I do. I like, I like Every Nomeo single song and Juliet, actually. Is from... Yes, I love Have it, Have you actually. seen it? Oh, I love, oh wow. I love the, I love the wow. line where it's like, um, we can't see each other because I'm a blue and she's a red. And the flamingo just goes, and I'm pink. Who cares? Oh, wow. That, I know. That's deep. It, that's actually deep. That's deep. Know, that's deeper than rap. Deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we. Uh, I'm gonna watch it. all the the um, soundtracks. All else. I told songs, you this it? is what DreamWorks does. They get like the poppy poppy songs, kind of like the Trolls movies, if you will, and they get the really interesting kids on the block at the moment: Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, Will Smith. Uh, I don't know. Was Beyonce in something? Just. That's what they do, and it's like, okay, okay. So, because I watched Mark Commode, and he was reviewing that Trolls film, I saw some scenes from it, and God, that is a psychedelic trip. I mean, it sucks if you're a kid and you had that (laughs) You just won't be able to watch that film. I don't know why I said that. That was absolutely awful. But yeah, basically. If you... Did you... Do what? kids like that sort of thing? Do kids with them? I mean, they must do because they must go. To... But the thing is, when I was young, I was watching Tom and Jerry, which has its pro- own problems, to be fair. But being Look, psychedelic is what I'll... and and Pingu, and they were more down to earth. You know, there was more violence, but it was. So this down is to what earth. I'll say: like, if you want to watch a good film that's not Pixar, not Disney, not Studio Ghibli, that's for kids, I'd say watch Madagascar Three. Personally. Yeah, the reason why I bring up this point, it isn't irrelevant to what I've just mentioned. I'm suggesting, like, eye bleach for after you watch this film, basically. There's also, you could have a good comedy as well, like Snatch. Basically, if you watch this film, the next film you watch should probably Yeah, Mark and I are watching Detective Pikachu tonight. I know! I oh, had wow. the same sort Is of eye on... bleach reaction. I was like, I now need to watch something fun. <laughs> I feel bad because this about this lockdown now. I mean, I think this is going to break me. I think I'm going to um, do a Cummings and... What do you mean? Well, no, I shouldn't say that, sorry. Don't you dare, Chrissy, be good. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I will be good. 
it'll be good. And I have nothing against Mr. Cummings. I did wonder how long it takes you into the podcast to mention Dominic Cummings, but 55 minutes isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you? I know how political you are. (laughs) Oh, all right. Yeah, that's... um, Yeah, but Chris, we're waffling. Our listeners don't want to hear all this. Right, so... um, I will mention on the Twitter page when we are doing our next review, and it will be Chris's pick. Oh yeah, um, I, I, I um, just wait a moment. I, I've got it. I've got it right here. I've got it right here, right here, right here. Um, 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 um okay. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are cool. Oh yeah, we um, about, fools. about fools. No, I, I just watched a film by um. Director. Oh yeah, Lestrade was great. By... Oh, we watched our movie, so yeah. Oh, Chris! Oh my God, Chris! We I need think to... that's we need to. Dies in Dallas, but he... well, well, I stand for that. That that's probably not a right, Christopher. Before either. our listeners, well, I think I think Lestrade was better. off. I have to mention that movie have now opened up their entire library. Wait a minute. Like okay, actually, so what, they haven't introduced it to the mobile app yet. However, if you go on the movie browser on your desktop, you can yeah, yeah you can go Library. on there and they aren't you know how Mubi usually does like thirty films, thirty days? Well, Mubi.com yeah. slash library, they've got everything available. So like all of the click, 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 click. Uh all of the Godard films they did, which was a few months ago, like back in January, I think. And a load of stuff, loads and loads of stuff Ooh. is all available. Okay, it's this is going to make my Chris. pick a lot easier, isn't it? Um, I mean, the thing is, it I always like the how they gamified it with movies, so it's I quite like that, month, but so yeah. It, but apparently, it's because we're living special, in lockdown, so. I guess. No. I, yeah, I think this is probably superior. Actually, it's more. Um, it does treat the their customers more as adults, where they say, "Yeah, you can <laughs> just have the whole library." Um, but yeah, yeah that's gonna got got some very interesting yeah, films. So we're gonna, gonna say goodbye. Maybe the, we're gonna say goodbye, and you're gonna go on the browser, and you're gonna have a nice little look see to see what our next review will be. Okay. Yes. So, all right, bye, let's go.